It's noon here in Vintner City, New Jersey, and Washington, D.C., and this is news that you can use from Car Edge for Monday, November 27th, with your hosts, me, Ray, apparently I went to pit, uh, and uh, Handsome over there, Zach. No, you're the one that went to pit. I just visited. All right, Pops, we're going to kick things off. Spicy headline on a Monday morning. Hope everyone had a happy Thanksgiving and the long weekend. The UAW has shocked the auto industry. All of the UAW contracts have been ratified. And, Dad, the repercussions of that are impacting automakers beyond the domestic big three. We had another headline from the end of last week. Volkswagen follows other non-union automakers and hikes wages 11% for U.S. factory workers. This comes on the heels, Dad of obviously the UAW raising um, the uh, uh, compensation for their laborers, but also we had Hyundai joining Honda and Toyota in raising wages as well. I wanted to kick today off with that, a discussion on affordability and the affordability crisis and the impact of the UAW uh, ratifications, which just happened last week. All the ratifications went through with the big three. We are going to continue to see new car prices go up and up and up the 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 ripple effect here from the UAW strike resolution is going to be going on not only for the Detroit Big Three but obviously all the other automakers as well. Uh, well, yeah, I, I mean, obviously, the non-union uh, automakers utilize whatever the union increases were to impact how they then adjust their compensation for their workers. Uh, staving off any opportunity uh, for the UAW to to unionize those shops. Um, and yeah, labor costs are part and parcel of what gets factored into the MSRP of cars. And so there would be no reason to suspect that with additional labor costs that we will not see um, additional increases in the MSRP of cars. Um, I, I think we will see that. And I think in some cases, it could be rather significant. Having said that, as shocking as that is, woo, um, having said that, I, I think that we will see at least in December um, an increase in incentives to um, for the from the manufacturers in some type of feeble attempt to make more vehicles, more affordable for more people in this country. Um, and then at some point, they, they're just going to have to start building some less expensive vehicles in order to do that. Boom. I think that is the kicker here. And Mark is spot on. MSRPs have already gone up 25 to 50% over the past five years for the various automakers. Yes. Dad, just to put into context here, the uh, again, the ripple effects of the UAW strike resolution and the new labor deal. So Japanese automaker Honda, uh, Toyota, Nissan have raised wages for non-U.S. factory workers, non-union, excuse me, U.S. factory workers in recent weeks amid signs that the union is turning its attention to organizing the workforce at foreign-owned and Tesla auto plants. And to put numbers to this, whoops, let's yes. scroll down just a little bit here, Hyundai announced a 25% increase in wages over the next four years for non-union production workers in Alabama and Georgia. So again... The, just the, just curious, yeah. does that include the uh, 13, 14, and 15-year-olds that they... 
I'm sorry. I'll be, I'll be good. Yeah, now. that was, that was, I mean, I get where you're going with that because that is something that Hyundai was in trouble for earlier this year. So yeah, there it is folks. Um, but yeah, the, the amount of increase is non-trivial. I mean, we know that the big three, uh, they agreed to, you can see it here. The UAW labor deals with general motors, Ford and Stellantis through 2028 include a 25% increase in base wages, including an immediate 11% hike and will cumulatively raise the top wage by 33% compounded with estimated cost of living adjustments to over $42 an hour. So you said it yourself, incentives are one way for the automakers to offset the impact of this. But if I'm not mistaken, incentives hurt the bottom line, the actual amount of profit that the automakers create year in and year out. So the other option is, are more affordable vehicles, which how do you get to that if you have you know uh, higher labor costs? I'm reminded, Dad, of the research that we did over the summer with the Autopian. This is where we coined the term, they coined the term trimflation, yes. explaining why automakers raised prices so much during the pandemic. We are, I mean, the only, only thing I can wrap my head around, Dad, is that 2024 will be the resurgence of entry-level trim options. Like That is the only way you can keep price points in a place where Hyundai customers want it, where mm-hmm. Mazda customers want it, where Toyota customers want it without you know, just scrapping all of the high-profit vehicles. Like, like, I don't see another outcome here because they're just, they can't, the incentive well can only be tapped so much and for so long before it runs dry, before they say, screw this, you know, it's too expensive. Um, no, that, 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 that is factored into their ultimate uh, marketing cost for the year. Um, and, and incentives, um, typically accounted for about 10 to 11% of the transaction price, um, prior to COVID. So were the manufacturers, had they figured out how to incentivize the sales of vehicles, um, and they knew it was going to cost them about 10 to 12% in incentive spend to do that. Yeah. Did, did they, were, were they uh, fat and happy during COVID times when they didn't have to spend that money and it impacted their, uh, their uh, net profit dramatically? Yeah, of course. Um, are they, are, are, are they going to do away? No, the, the, the well will never run dry. Okay. Uh, do they like that the that the incentive spend today is somewhere around four and a half to five percent? Of course they like that. Um, but the reality of the situation, and it's something that we started discussing well over a year ago, is that for the vast majority of Americans, cars today are not affordable. And 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 most of the manufacturers or a lot of the manufacturers aren't offering affordable options within their brands. You know, I am truly looking forward to, uh, I think it's December 6th when when I'm going to have a conversation for uh, the Auto Insiders channel with uh, a corporate representative from Mazda. And and because one of the things I want to discuss is, are you, are you kids really set on on trying to continue to go more upscale when 83% of the American buying public says they can't afford to buy a car now. Um, so do you just want to do you just want to play in that 17% sandbox, or would you like to play in a bigger sandbox where hopefully you can continue to sell more and more cars that way? 
that's what I want to find out. I mean, because if it means, and I, and I get it, you know, I've worked for dealers where, well, I don't, we don't want to stock the cheap cars. Well, you might not want to stock them, but you have customers that want to buy them. Do they sell as well as, um, the mid-tier cars or the higher tier vehicles, not necessarily, but I can tell you with many, whenever I ordered a base Cooper or a base Countryman, base anything, they did not sit around very long at all because there are certain people that are truly just payment buyers and the only way to keep them in a payment that is affordable especially for somebody that wants to be in a 350 or 400 hour a month car payment well you got to put them in like a $22,000 car or a $20,000 car you're not you can't be putting them in a in in one of those $35,000 cars that doesn't work for them so as much as dealers might hate having to stock them because there's very little profit in it for the dealer and there's very little profit in it for the manufacturer, there are people who need those vehicles and they will buy them. Now, I'm not saying you stock a hundred of them, but you got to stock hear you, some. I, and I hear what you're saying. The incentive well will never run dry because they got to move the pieces of metal that are sitting around. I will share two anecdotes from this past weekend. We're now oh. working with uh, a couple Ford dealers, Mazda dealers. Ford, just on uh, on Black Friday, which is like in, in a lot of uh, corporate settings, a day that people have off, they came out with a brand new incentive across a lot of their F-150s. And it was both a dealer incentive. There was an additional $400 spiff for yeah. salespeople to sell F-150s. Is that really going to make that big of a difference if Ford's given this? I don't think so. I think yes. they need like customers. Can, but, can yeah. I tell you why it'll make a difference? Because if the dealership's mini for selling an F-150 where they're making no profit is 50 or 100 bucks. Let's call it 100 bucks, okay? And Ford's going to give them 400. Well, all of a sudden, that that Mini is is a 500-hour commission, okay? And then and most dealerships work on volume bonuses for salespeople. Um, so, yeah, those salespeople would be thrilled to make 400 hours plus volume bonuses. They, the, the odd thing is salespeople don't care where their money comes from just as long as it comes. <laughs> but I think, Dad, to, to your point of the incentive well not running dry, there's an example, yes. an anecdote from this past weekend. And there are new Ford uh, APR incentives after the Black Friday holiday. Maybe things weren't going quite as hot <laughs> earlier in the month of November. So they're moving quick. And then on the Mazda side. Same yeah. thing on Friday. We had an additional $750 cash rebate applied to pretty much all Mazdas from Mazda Corporate. In addition to, you can stack them in conjunction with the APR incentives. That was brand new on Friday. And so I'm even hearing and seeing this anecdotally where you're saying, because I, I true, truly, in my heart of hearts, someone has to pay for what has happened here. And what has happened here, just the, the condensed version, is over the past few years, there's been a consolidation of, of producing more expensive high-trim vehicles paired with the recent development, which is the UAW signing a historic labor, uh, labor deal that mm. now has tri- uh, ripple effects with all of the import brands, not just the domestics. And at the same time, inventory is sitting, sitting in a way that it hasn't previously. One yes. automaker is responding to that by just cutting back production. That's Toyota. Toyota allocations, I was talking to the Toyota dealer we work with. He was literally telling me, he was literally saying, saying, Zach, our our allocation is cut in half, like even month over month, cut in half. And I can't reconcile why Toyota would be doing that other than to maintain price authority in the market. Okay, so that's one approach. The other approach is keep producing vehicles 
And then you got to incentivize them. And there's two anecdotes from this weekend of automakers stepping up and not only incentivizing customer action, but incentivizing salespeople and the dealers as well. But eventually, Dad, yes. that well has to get at least fairly tapped because shareholders, the, the stockholders are the ones that are ultimately paying for that when they see profit and loss statements that don't look as attractive. And I think that's where you'll ultimately see the impact, which is we got to start making base trims again. Because we can't just afford to incentivize, incentivize, incentivize. Maybe we actually have to build things at price points that people well, want. Well, you, you can't take $80,000 vehicles and incentivize them to the point that they become the $40,000 vehicle that somebody felt they could afford. Okay? Um, you're not going to incentivize at $40,000. So, yes, at a certain point, the, the manufacturers are going to have to decide to increase the amount of lower trim level vehicles that they're going to build. And in order to get people back in the market for something that doesn't have quite as much in it as, as what we've grown accustomed to, I would imagine they can put together advertising campaigns to show why a base vehicle would just be the perfect way for somebody to go. Um, you know, all most advertising is is psychological in the sense that they want to give you it all is yeah that they want to give you the reason why you need to spend more to have this 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 and that even though you don't really need all that crap well that doesn't mean that you can't then come up with the advertising that says hey this base vehicle is the best base vehicle we've ever made we can't believe all the wonderful stuff it has and and my goodness you know, it, it it reminds me of of the uh, uh, Nissan Xterra. It's got everything you need and nothing you don't. And and truly, somebody is going to have to advertise their base vehicles that way. It's everything you need in the car and nothing you don't. Okay, why pay for all that crap you're never going to use? And I am the perfect living example of that in that I have every available option in my mini clubman. Okay. And I don't use two thirds of it. You know, the fact that that car can park itself, you know, parallel park it. I, I don't know. I even have to turn the damn thing on. Okay. But it can do it. Well, I don't know how much I spent for that. For what the the one time in in, in eighteen months that I might have had the <laughs> parallel park, please. I mean, you know, I can get by with a lot less stuff in my mini. Yep. And I don't and literally. I, I I don't even know how to use three quarters of the stuff in the car. So it it has to be. It just has to be advertised in such a way to make. Those of us who think that we need to have everything in our cars that we're not going to use, it has to make us feel foolish for having done that. I want to put you on the spot as well as everyone here in the chat. The latest Cox Automotive data, Dad, actually yes. suggests that vehicle affordability has improved year over year. Put you on the spot. Yes. Do you remember what the highest monthly payment, uh, what the average monthly payment, the highest average monthly payment was? Do you remember when it peaked? Do you remember what it was and when it peaked? Um, this well, is for new cars, new cars, folks. Yeah, it, it peaked. I don't know, two or three months ago. What was it? Seven hundred and fifty-three dollars or seven seventy, something like that. 
All right. It was one year ago in December. End of okay. last year. It was one year ago in December. $795 became the average in the month of December of 2022 average new car monthly payment. Do you remember or do you yes. know what it was in the most recent month, Dad? The latest data we have is from October. Obviously, November will be coming out in a few weeks here. Do you know what it was in October? The 733, I think. 767. So, like I said, 767. <laughs> it's come down a little bit, right? Um, yeah, even as interest rates have gone up, and that's a reflection of average yes. transaction prices starting to work their way down a little bit, incentives coming back into the market. And we need you know, more of that. And I, I anticipate that, that December's number is going to be significantly lower than 767, maybe 750, because of all the incentives that automakers are putting behind uh, the actual purchase of their vehicles. And quite frankly, the the raises that the UAW and, and the various other labor uh, laborers that work for all the other domestic, uh, or excuse me, import automakers, those are not really going to change pricing structures of MSRPs in December. Those are going to change pricing structures of MSRPs in 2024 and beyond. Yes, yes. You know, you could actually, you could probably make a logical case that like buying a new car at the end of 2023 is one of the best timing for purchasing a new car ever because new car msrps are going to continue to go up significantly um even though again we're making the case that they will produce more of the lower trim levels you can make the case that that you know buying at the end of 2023 is kind of a sweet spot for the next maybe five ten years because of labor costs going up so much. It, it, it very well could be i i, I want to ask you a question and, and i love this th and this this will give uh, our audience uh, an idea of just how much we discuss uh what we're going to talk about we don't um you know zach comes on 30 seconds before we go live um so you've seen some of the new incentives have you seen um, APR incentives? Have 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 the APR, you know, like the zero percent or the one point nine percent or whatever it is? Are they combinable now with some of the cash incentives, or is it still an either or? Either or for the most part. So I'll share with you. Last night I was helping Tom, one of our community members. He's buying an F one fifty Platinum from the Car Edge uh, Car Edge Network. So I was helping him out with the deal. Super easy, super smooth. Tom could either get 2.9% for 72 months because he's got great credit. Yeah. On a on a seventy thousand dollar pickup truck, Dad. Or a nineteen hundred dollar cash incentive. Right, and I, I told Tom, because he was saying, Zach, which one should I do? I was like, let me do the math. Yeah. You can probably get approved at best for a new car auto loan at 5.9% at best. Yeah. That would be buy rate, you know, everything. So I put it into a loan calculator to show him the difference in in, in transaction price and the actual amount of interest paid. You were either going to pay like five thousand dollars in interest over the course of the loan, or thirteen thousand dollars. So it's a no-brainer. You take the APR incentive. Yeah, exactly. Right? You don't even think about it. Yes. And in Mazda's case, Dad, they have now had a they have a stackable seven hundred and fifty dollar incentive plus a tiered APR uh, structure as well, subvented APR structure. So Ford, no Mazda, yes. I got to get my hands on more of what GM's doing, what Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, and Ram are doing. So I am. It's like yes and no. My expectation would be that you are going to see um, continued increases in incentive spend in December and the regional advertising groups. What I've learned is that the regional advertising groups that pool the money, they mm -hmm. set aside a, set, uh, a portion of that money, not only, so the most of it goes to the, all the ads that we all see on TV yes. during the year. And, the, and regional advertising group is like in your marketing area, all the Ford dealers, all the Stellantis dealers, all the Acura dealers, they yes. all put a portion of money for every car into a fund. And, and it could be two to $300 per car invoice to them. And what I recently learned, Dad, 
is that um, in December, and this is maybe not across all regional advertising groups, but in December for, for some of our partners, they take 20% of that fund amount just to do incentives, regional incentives. Mm-hmm. So you have not, so think about this. You have OEM incentive, top layer. You have regional incentive. There's 20% of dollars that just don't exist any other month of the year except for December. And then you have dealer incentive from the OEM to sell yeah. more stuff to make more money. Like that Ford deal might be stackable in three weeks. I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if it isn't, but I also wouldn't be surprised if it is. And and I I would I would suggest to you in what I think we're going to see is we're going to see in order to make these seventy, eighty thousand dollar vehicles seem more affordable, we're going to see more and more interest rate incentives. We're going to continue to see those either or cases. And in most cases, you save more money by doing the APR incentive than by taking the cash rebate incentive. Now, a lot of people don't sit down to figure it out like you did last night, but it once you plug those numbers in, it becomes, oh my goodness, th- this is an absolute no-brainer, and this is one of the ways, or this is the main way that these manufacturers are going to be able to take these cars that that are unobtainable for many people and, and make them at least borderline obtainable. Um, so I think we'll see more and more APR incentives moving forward. Here, I'll pull it up on the screen, Dad. This is what I was doing last night. Laura, my girlfriend, Laura, recently got a Nintendo Switch and she's been playing it and she absolutely loves it. So Laura's playing her Nintendo Switch and I'm I'm working working car deals to try yeah. and help a customer out. So here you can see it, Dad. You've got the uh, selling price, $72,960, but 2.9% APR. You're paying $6,705 in interest on the loan. Okay. The other option is you're, you're paying $71,060 to purchase the vehicle, but you're, you're financing it at 5.9%. You're paying $13,671 on the loan in interest. Wow. And and the payment was the same, different? How much? No, no, the payment's different. $1,190 with the cash incentive. Yeah. $1,119 with so the financing. Was, it was $71 a month less. Exactly. Okay. Well, then that. I don't, I don't know, Bob. APR is what lures the suckers. I don't know, man. Do an analysis. <laughs> it's not that hard. It's not no, that hard. I- that's what I used to do for people, you know, where I say, well, what should I do? Well, here, let's let's do the math together. If we if you get the APR and it's this and the payment's X, and if you take the cash rebate and and we're utilizing um a prevailing interest rate today, and the payment's Y, and X is less than Y for the same term, then obviously X is the way to go. It and and it it's Interest rates is not a lure for suckers. Interest rates for those who qualify for those subvented rates is a way to take advantage of a situation that will make something more affordable. Uh, You know, if when interest rates, when you had the option of 0% and it was 0% or maybe, you know, you could either take the 0% interest rate or a $1,500 cash incentive. It, it, once again, it was do the math, and in most cases, 
since people aren't putting a lot of money down, it makes more sense to take the cheap interest rate. But you have to do the analysis. I think a lot of people forget that uh, pre-0% financing, which was where we were for the past, I don't know, not the past year, but the, the, the two years preceding that, people used to spend money to get money lent to them. And now yes. when you can get 2.9% when the prevailing rate on a new car is over 9%. Yes. That's a huge savings. A lot of people you know, struggle, to, I think, to, to, to appreciate that. Anyway, this is, these are the tools in the OEM's toolboxes, the automaker's toolboxes, that honestly will be continued. I, 2024 is going to be no different. I mean, the MSRPs on the vehicles are going to be higher, but interest rates are still going to be high. So you're still going to see interest, uh, you know, finance incentives, and the OEM will continue to underwrite it to try and get people into their vehicles. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, it, you know, it has taken 15 to 18 months for the manufacturers to finally realize that they pushed the envelope on affordability as far as it can be pushed. And they've pushed too many people out of the market that would have liked to have been in the market. So now they have to figure out how to bring those people back. And you either you either bring those people back with incentivized interest rates or bigger cash incentives. Um, it, it, because they thought that that this this train ride of being able to just sell nothing but high-end stuff, that that was going to continue forever. Well, just because they buried their heads in the sand and they didn't want to see month after month after month where people said, no, I the, the, the percentage of people said, no, I don't think I can afford to buy a car, that percentage kept going up month after month after month. Suddenly, the manufacturers are going, Ooh, well, we've only left 17% of the people now. We've got to, we've got to figure out a way to bring back more of those 83% of the people who think they can't afford it. And and you know, manufacturers, like most dealers, are reactive and not proactive. Okay. Yeah. Um, because if if you're proactive, you're gonna look at it and you're gonna go we're rapidly approaching a point where nobody's going to be able to afford to buy a car as opposed to saying, well, let's just keep raising the price because there doesn't seem to be any shortage of people. Well, there was, there was a shortage of people. It, it, it just took a little longer for it to hit. And, and so now these manufacturers are all going to become reactive. These dealers are going to become reactive. Dealers should have been screaming a year ago at their factory reps, these vehicles are too expensive. Yeah, but you're selling every last one of them. We're turning away people who want to buy cars, but they can't afford to buy cars. Okay. That should have been a conversation that was being had because at the dealership, you could see that, that you had customers coming in who literally wanted to buy something, but had to leave because they literally couldn't afford it. We'll save it for another day, but this ties back into the auto loan delinquency crisis and the repo Mageddon that is on the yeah. horizon because we see, uh, you know, delinquent auto loans on the rise because people were getting approved for auto loans beyond uh, the the LTV, the loan to value ratios that made sense. So, like deals were getting done still during that time, but it was irrational exuberance uh, to steal yes. a word from an economist who is way more knowledgeable than I am. All right, Dad, let me turn our attention to the Car Edge website for just one. 
quick second. Folks, caredge.com. I'm going to highlight one resource per day this week. First things first, folks, go to the sell slash trade page. Do not sell or trade in your vehicle without getting multiple cash offers for free before you do it. And if you really want to be smart about it, go under resources and then go and click on the search and do trade-in. We have a free trade-in tactics for success guide. We've got one here. We've got another one here. Please, please, please go use these free resources to help you navigate your car buying journey here at the end of 2023. We'll highlight one resource per day. We've got plenty more, so I encourage you to go check them out back at caredge.com. Now, Dad, if you don't mind, let's have our favorite segment of the show. Did I lose my dad? I think I lost my dad. Dad? I wasn't ready to lose you, Dad. Hmm. All right. Well, it seems we lost my pops. I guess we won't do really. You've got to be kidding me today. Maybe he'll come back here in just a couple seconds. I don't know. Let's see. Is he calling me? Let's do a quick test, folks. Let's see. Stand by. Uh... No text messages from pops. So... <laughs> I guess folks will call to show. Oh, there you are. You're back. back. You said, so this is, this is the perfect example of Xfinity is working in my area. And they said there could be internet outages. I had an internet outage this morning for, I don't know, an hour and a half, two hours. And then at the top of the hour at, at, at 11, the internet was back. Well, I guess, you know, I couldn't do the whole show before it uh, cut out again. Let's be quick before we lose it again. Hit us with an ad lib. Uh, really? You got to be kidding me. All right. So they kind of are the punching bag of this channel. Ford, dad, more Ford dealers have dropped out of the EV sales program. So you remember, let's just set the stage for this. A year or so ago, Jim Farley came out and said, hey, we are splitting up Ford into two divisions, Model E and uh, 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 Blue. And the idea was that one's going to sell internal combustion engine vehicles, one's going to sell electric vehicles, and hey, dealers, pony up hundreds of thousands, if not a million dollars, to join the electric revolution. And dad, here we go. We've got more dealers uh, taking themselves out of the Model E program. From Automotive News, almost 400 dealers have dropped out of the program since initial enrollment figures were shared. Ford wants EV dealers to carry little inventory, so it's planning for them to restore stock through, quote, retail replenishment centers. Ooh. Seems like Ford is losing some luster. They are also the least trusted. Seems like we're losing pops again, so who knows? They are the least trusted automaker out there, folks. So we've lost dad once more i know he would have a good rant about what's going on at ford but alas we will have to tune in again tomorrow to give him a chance to share that with us we'll jump we'll be back tomorrow pops will have internet and everyone enjoy your monday thank you for spending some time with me and uh yeah all the best thanks <laughs>